RadioInfluence.com. On today's Real Animals podcast, I'm going to be joined by my good friend, Captain Lionel James, LionsTailAdventures.com, great charter fisherman out of the Destin area. Really looking forward to this podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to another edition of the Real Animals podcast. Joining me today, uh, I have to tell you, uh, one of my new favorite people in the fishing business. Um, I love energy. Energy. in the fishing industry. Um, and, and my boy, Captain Lionel James brings big energy, big smile, uh, big, big work ethic in the gym. Um, just everything about my friend here is big. So, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Lionel, how are you today, my friend? Yeah, man, I'm pretty, I'm doing pretty good, man. It's raining up here. Speaking of the gym, I just left there. Uh, but man, all in all, really, really good, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'm, I was looking forward to this. I, I thought it might be a tough day on the water for you, which makes it a little easier for you to slide in here and join me for the podcast. So, uh, again, Captain Lionel James is my guest. LionsTalesAdventures.com is his website. Uh, great charter captain out of the Destin, Florida area. Uh, lots of unique background with you, which I think is kind of where we need to start. Um, I like to dive into these okay. and kind of figure out how did, you know, Lionel James become Captain Lionel James, uh, you know, with your, you know, I know you spent a lot of time in your youth in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, so, you know, how does, how does, how does Lionel make the trek from little Lionel James to, you know, Captain Lionel James in Destin, Florida? Uh, so it really all started with my father, um, my pops. That's, uh, that's the key thing. Uh, my dad was a single dad. He raised my sister and myself by himself. Okay. And his second assignment was in, Mel- was in Melbourne, Florida, which was at Patrick Air Force Base. Sure. And in that time, the only time that I really got to hang out with my dad because he was so busy working three or four jobs was he always made time on Sundays to take me out fishing. Nice. Um, so more than anything, like that's how it, how it all started because I just look, I look forward to Sundays or any kind of time with my father, uh, just going fishing. And we used to fish, um, the bridge and, uh, the banana river and all that stuff for redfish. So it started there. Um, after that, we moved to Destin, Florida, right around there. I was around seven and that's where I really started to like fish inshore by myself because at that time I was seven or eight um, and living on base at, at, at back then and still to, to this day is, is really safe so my dad um, still busy still raising both of us by himself uh, I had to figure it out on my own really quickly right. so if I wanted to go fishing after school um, my dad was working so <laughs> had to figure I it out. taught myself <laughs> yeah I taught myself I you know a lot of trial and error and then we only spent about two years here in Destin um um, well, then we quickly moved to Anchorage, Alaska. And when we got to funny story about Anchorage, Alaska, we left Florida in the middle of November. I had never seen mountains, snow, moose, or anything like that. So <laughs> imagine at nine, 10 years old, you drive 5,000 miles from one into the one in the U S to the very opposite end. Wow. And you're seeing snow and all that stuff for the first time. So Alaska was the first time I ever ice fished. Alaska is when I picked up a fly rod. Um, and Alaska is kind of really when I really discovered, like, I really love to do this because, you know, I was out by myself, I was around nature and that never, even though you're fishing around bears and moose at all that time, um, 
I never like felt uncomfortable. So it was just kind of a natural thing. So, and I'm, I'm guessing that's where, um, and I have in my notes here, cause I want to kind of talk about that too. And you just kind of touched on it. So that's where your passion for fly fishing started. I'm assuming. Correct. Correct. Okay. Correct. Um, when I got to Alaska, it was in the middle of winter. So the only option we had was fly, um, was ice fishing. And I saw these guys like in waders fly fishing these rivers and stuff. And I didn't really understand it. Uh, so the spring I, uh, well, the winter, I just did a lot of research and I would ask a lot of questions. I would just talk to guys. So in the spring, um, when these salmon, or I'm sorry, in the summertime, when these salmon would make these runs, you would see all these guys fly fishing. And I just thought it was really, I don't know, like it was pretty, it was an art, uh, and it looked challenging. So since I was a kid, I've always just wanted to be challenged. And uh, that's when I kind of picked it up. And you had salmon, uh, all different kinds of species. You had rainbow trout, you had grayling. I don't know if you've ever seen a grayling, but it's been a pretty, pretty fish. And uh, really, and then the other thing is, too, is like when you, um, when you say you're going fishing, a lot of your friends want to go with you. And I've always been kind of a loner. So I would always say I'm fly fishing. And they were like, I have no idea what that is. So <laughs> they would pass and I would be able to come on. So <laughs> that's now, how do you, how can you say you're kind of a loner? And then now every day you go fishing, you take people with you. How does that work? Um, I guess it's a, I guess it's a good balance because um, I do love being around people. and I do love talking to people and hearing people's stories and sharing my stories. However, I feel like that balance, because you do so many charters in a year and you're around so many different people, uh, you need time to decompress and be by yourself to refocus. So I guess, essentially, I'm not an introvert. Uh, You know, I'm not alone all the time. However, I go work out by myself. I go um, to just enjoy fishing and still be in love with it. I go fishing by myself because, um, one, I'm still learning on my own, and two, even if I go with like, like when we went or if I take my lady out, I'm still kind of in this like guide mode where mm-hmm. I need to put them on the fish versus me Sure. and me going by myself, which makes me very, I think it's okay for me to be selfish and still remain <laughs> connected to the outdoors, you know? Sure. You know? I think I'm sure you can relate. Listen, I think the reason that you end up at the gym by yourself is that there's only a handful of us that are crazy enough to want to get in there with you. That's, and I'm just guessing because <laughs> we didn't get a chance to train together yet. Yeah. But, <laughs> and I'm looking forward to the opportunity, yeah. although my, my old, much older than your muscles, uh, my muscles are, and they're cringing at the thought of it. But uh, I think that's part oh, of your man. problem right there. Nobody wants <laughs> to go to the gym with you for a reason, Lionel. <laughs> I think they would have to pull us out of the gym because with your competitive nature and mine too, together – um, I don't think we would stop until like someone said, you guys got to go. You yeah, know what it, I mean? could, it could uh-huh. happen. It could be a long night. And the bad part is at my age, I, I would, <laughs> I'll hurt for about four days afterwards instead of one day, like I used to when I was your age. But, uh, so, so well, you, you end up, you end up, um, playing some football, right? Football was your thing. If I remember right. Yeah. Right? I played, I played in high school and I played at a small school in Minnesota at the D2 level. Um, I was always athletic as a kid. However, I didn't really care about sports. When my friends were playing baseball or football, um, I went fishing. That's just, that's, that's what I love to do. I didn't really start playing football at, at a really, really competitive level until high school. Um, and that was only because that was like the cool thing to do. And being in Anchorage or just in Alaska, school started early, like 
football practice for us started at the beginning of July because of our our fall and our winter was so quick. Sure. I mean, by the end of August, you have snow on the mountains, and then by mid September, um, even snow on the on the ground, and then by October, it was it was a wrap. <laughs> right. um, I started playing football in high school, and uh, it was essentially only because at you know fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, you start getting interested in girls, and 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 Alaska started school so early, or started practice so early. The girls' volleyball team was there. The basketball team was there. So you were kind of like the first people at school. So that's really the only reason why I started. (laughs) (laughs) I love love your honesty. That's that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you make make the run back to – to Destin, Florida? I mean, this this must be where the the Air Force journey starts for you. Yeah. um, Funny story is that – when I got my scholarship to to, to college, um, I played my first year, and then my second year, I just wasn't really feeling feeling um, football anymore. I just didn't I didn't want to do it, so I left that at the end of the semester, which I got back around Christmas and um, the January time frame. And so from January seven months later was my twenty first birthday, and my dad actually was like, "Well, you got six months to figure it out." Uh, or at 21, you're getting out of my house. You know what I mean? He was done paying, you know, all that stuff. Like, I understood. And my dad being a 25-year uh, vet, I mean, that was kind of the only thing that I thought to do at the time. I didn't, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Guiding kind of wasn't in the picture at all because in Alaska, it's wintertime. Right. There was nothing there. So I ended up joining the Air Force. Um, and the Air Force, you know, from there took me to Texas, from Texas to California, uh, California to South Korea, and then from South Korea back to Florida, which was Panama City, which I spent a lot of time there. Um, and that's when I got back to Florida. That's when I kind of started really, really fishing again. Um, I spent about seven years in Panama City. Uh, at that point, at the end of the seven years, is at my 10, nine and a half, 10 year mark. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a decision. So I decided to get out of the military. Um, and while I was in the military, I was a firefighter. So my job transferred over. I ended up getting a job back here in Destin. And nice. that was kind of when I was like, all right, well, with this schedule, I really love the fish. I started doing a lot of redfish tournaments. Um, and essentially, it kind of just came naturally because I started posting fish of me outside, fishing by myself, uh, out redfish uh, tournaments. And people just kind of started reaching out to say, hey, I wanted to go fishing. Um, and back when I was a kid, I always kind of knew that this was what I was going to do. Right. To kind of go back, I'm sorry, but when we were living in Destin, my dad was actually on the verge of buying a boat and starting his own charter. However, a week before or a week after he was about, I'm sorry, how to go. However, he was, let's say it was a Monday. He was about to buy the boat that Friday. He got orders to Alaska. So I think it all kind of was like supposed to happen. If that that makes any sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, the good Lord has a plan for all of us and, and it's, takes us down Absolutely. certain yeah it takes us down certain paths and certain journeys and and uh you know I always I like to say that it's his plan uh on, you know cuz sometimes we yeah. just we don't understand right. you know I I I kick myself being an air force veteran I spent three and a half years stationed in Germany not far from the Mosul uh, river not far from the Mosul river and I never once touched a fishing pole like I never I never oh. even I never even thought about it I just never thought hey I wonder what the fishing's like here in Europe. You know, I was 18 years old. Um, it was legal to drink, right. it was legal to drink beer, uh, in Germany. 
uh, in the Air Force at 18. And uh, so I was drinking beer. I was chasing girls. And I, I was playing I was playing on the varsity basketball yeah. team. So we traveled all over Europe. And I just didn't think much about anything. But it's one of those things you like, you know. And then you end up, I got stationed in Florida. And, you know, obviously the rest is history. So um, just it's kind of crazy the way God puts us in, in certain places to, you know, kind of get us headed down a path. Now, I think we got to touch on something else. So, you know, obviously okay. now you're a great charter cabin doing a great job up there in Thank Destin, you. making a great name for yourself, you know, big guy in the gym, all that, but you have a little MMA flair to you too, huh? I don't <laughs> think we can not talk about that because yeah. that's not something everybody yeah. has. Yeah. Um, so I fought professionally for about eight years and I was on a, a really good run, but where it started at was when I got stationed in South Korea, um, they had a boxing program and I was like, you know what, let me just try this because playing college ball, like I didn't want to do that anymore, but I wanted to stay kind of competitive. And I thought I was somewhat a tough guy and I took my first boxing class and man, I got beat up. <laughs> However, from that day, I just stayed with it because I was only there for a year. I stayed with it and we ended up doing this boxing tournament uh, at the capital of uh, South Korea, which is Seoul. And the, it was air force versus army. Now, if you're in the Air Force, you in the military at, at any moment of your life or been around guys in the military, there's kind of this stigmata that Air Force guys weren't tough or anything like that. Sure. So yeah. I look forward to fighting these Army guys, right? Because the Army guys and the Marine guys and all that stuff, it's just a funny uh, joke and banter that goes back and forth with, with each branch of service. Um, so I stepped in the ring and I beat this dude. Um, I knocked him out in about 45 seconds. Um, shortly after that, I came back to florida and there was really no boxing program and mma i think this was 2006 7 uh mma started to really take off so i found a gym um i started training i had my first amateur fight in 2008 or 9 uh, i loved it um then i went on to roll off four more wins in the amateur ranks and then uh i decided to go pro uh which i fought in miami uh, biloxi at the ip casino um wow i was on a really good streak uh I was 2-0, and then I lost my first one at my third. Actually, yeah, I lost my third one. So I joined a new gym here for Walton Beach called Capital MMA, uh, which, you know, elevated my, my fighting game, uh, jiu-jitsu, all that stuff. I came back from the loss. Uh, I won my next two fights, and then I blew out my ACL. Um, and from that point on, I've been trying to figure out. I've always kind of promised myself 10, 10 fights, and I was done, and – I'm at four and two, or I got four more left. So I'm kind of thinking about playing with it. At the same time, I'm really enjoying. I, 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 you know, it's just one of those things, man. It's it's always a thought that kind of crosses my mind. You're just you're so twisted that I, I like. You're just one of those guys I just want to hang out with and like stay caught up with, just to see what you do next. <laughs> Seriously, just yeah, yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like you know, just no. just. Uh, just uh, again, big energy, big smile, big happy guy. Just uh, very entertaining to me. So, so let's talk Destin, Florida. So, um, for okay. those people catching the podcast here, um, I made my first trip up to Destin here just uh, a couple of months ago to film with Lionel. Ever since I met Lionel, Lionel and I met several years ago at the iCast um, convention, big fishing convention that happens in. It used to happen in Vegas, and now it's been happening for several years in Orlando. And 
Lionel and I met there, and I just loved his energy. He, he just got this this draw to him. Uh, if if you go to Lionel's website, Lions Tales Lions Tale Adventures dot com, you'll see his big smile. You'll kind of feel the energy. There's a lot of social media posts right now. Uh, my new website, which should be up and live by the time this comes out. Um, uh, there's a lot of pictures of, of Lionel on there, and you can kind of feel his energy. So we made the trip up to Destin to fish with him, and, and I was absolutely blown away. And I talked about this a bunch on the radio here um, several different times at the the beauty of Destin. I was blown away at how beautiful the water is, how clean it was. I think we could have done it at a little warmer time. That would have been good because it was a little cold. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, it was really a beautiful place, you know, and we kind of caught it, you know, off season, if you will, because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like it was uh, spring break. So it wasn't run over with people and it wasn't in the middle of summer when everybody up north is, you know, dashing for the Florida beaches. So it was, it was quiet. It was calm. It was beautiful. We didn't have a lot of fishing pressure around us. Um, just a really, really neat place. And I totally understood why you would call that home and why you would, why you would guide, you know, choose to guide there. What's the best time of year for you guys? If you had to say, let's say I just called you up on the phone and I said, Lionel, I want to, I want to come to Destin and I want to fish. It's on my bucket list. You know, when should I be there? When should I look to book with you? What, what would be the months you would say, Hey, these are the months you need to look at. Um, well, Destin is kind of unique in its own because Destin kind of has seasons of fish. So if you don't want to be cold and, and, and you want a, a good time, anytime between May and October, uh, that's when the weather is pretty predictable. It's pretty warm and you have a variety of fish coming through. Sure. Uh, we have a great tarpon run from May to about end of August. The beach redfish, they're always here. However, at, during that time, you know, we got to start pretty early because you also get a lot of pressure from other, other boats and other captains. Right. Um, and that was the great thing about you coming up here in the wintertime. We had a school of fish to ourselves, which was pretty insane. Yeah. For a whole um, day. As we get later on into the summertime, you know, we have a snapper season and with any kind of artificial or natural reef, you have all kinds of different fish on there. So whether it's, you want to tackle a tarpon, redfish, a fly fish for bonitas um, from that May to uh, the end of October, is really good time. March and April is a really good time as well. It's just kind of like spotty with the weather. You know, we have a great uh, sheep's head run that comes through. And then, you know, if, if you don't want to deal with the crowds, our wintertime is great for sight fishing redfish. we got a great flounder migration um, that we kind of target in the wintertime. And then we have skinny water sight fishing for redfish in our bay. So definitely a really, really unique place. Um, and selfishly, I hope – uh, it's kind of stays undiscovered, you know? <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Uh, <clears throat> there's no doubt. That's one of the things I thought was so interesting. One of the topics I brought up was I was talking about Destin was I was absolutely blown away at how beautiful and clean the water is. But if you look, absolutely. you know, as you look around, you know, we fished miles and miles of beach on, on my trip there with you. And we, there wasn't any skyline. There was no big city. There was no, you know, there's no major, no major port right there. They're just, I, I, I'm, and again, as close as you guys are to the Mississippi River dumping, I'm, I was just in shock right. that, you know, just in that, in the distance between you and the Mississippi, and I don't know how many miles that is, but it's, it's not that far. And right. to, to have that right. water 
at Destin, you know, we were in 20 foot of water out on the beach and you could look down on the bottom and count blades of grass and see things on the bottom in 20 foot of water. <laughs> you can't do yeah. that. You can't do that in Tampa. Yeah. And we're a lot further away from the Mississippi than you are. You know, I think it has something to do with the current here. Uh, I'm not fully sure. I've been trying to figure that out myself and read about it. Um, but I think it just has something to weigh the, uh, what I've heard and don't call me on this is the Appalachian mountains went way back in the day. And then um, just how the current runs through um, this part of the Gulf, because we're not far from the drop-off. Sure. Uh, essentially, if you wanted to go catch a snapper, uh, we only have to go at some places a half mile is some of the places that I start right outside the pass. So it's just perfectly situated. Um, the water starts to turn a little darker as you get past Orange Beach, which is about 65 miles to our west and then that's when you start to get into mississippi and all that stuff and it starts to change um and then you have pretty pensacola to about and mexico beach is really pretty port st joe um and appalachia really pretty area so this whole area you'll have clear beaches and clear waters too so uh, yeah yeah it's a neat uh, it's a neat place there's no doubt about it uh, it's a place i'll be back to for sure um, I really, uh, I, I thought it was, you know, you, because of all the artificial reefs and the stuff that they've done up there, you know, obviously the fishing we did on the beach, the big redfish that we caught were epic. I mean, just incredible sight fishing monster schools, um, you know, um, Pompano on the beach, you know, the, the artificial reefs yeah, being so down. close to shore. What's that? Yeah. Yeah. I forgot we caught a couple of Pompano. Yeah, we caught Pompano too. I mean, it was, it was just really you know, and 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 the, the clarity of the water to me makes that such a special place because, you know, I love to sight fish and to be able to, you know, sight fish from such great distance on the beach is incredible. You know, we could see fish a long ways away. Um, just really, uh, it's a special opportunity for those people again that, that love to sight fish. What are what are some things, Lionel? You know, I like to try to give. Pick your brain. You know, you're a guy who makes a living on the water okay. doing what a lot of people dream about doing. What are some things as far okay. as, as, a, as a couple of tips that you would give to people that just, you know, Saturday, Sunday, maybe they're off on a Monday, they want to go catch some fish. What are some things that you've learned in your time as a captain that we can, you know, kind of roll over to some of our listeners as some things that might help them catch a few more fish? Um. As cliche as it might sound, just get off the beaten path, you know, try to find that first. And as, as we went fishing, my main focus was to get away from the condos. And, and the main reason why I think fish need to be given the, the credit um, about their smarts and their brains. So you don't find fish in this area close to the condos. And I think that's because at any point of the year, there's always people swimming around them, you know. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's the first things first is when you're Googling mapping someone, find, find like, if you think point A looks kind of like, well, a lot of people will fish here. Well, let's go to point Z and, and, and so on and so forth, you know? Right. Um, uh, and I guess second would be just to lighten it down, like, like very minimal. <laughs> I don't think we used a lot of anything extravagant when we were out fishing together. Right. You know? Well, and I thought something else that, um, I thought something yeah. else that you did that was really interesting was, was, you know, going to an area, you know, we worked one way, one direction, really hard, never really saw some fish, never really saw what we wanted to do. And then your ability to just kind of flip the script and say, you know what, it's a long run, but we're going to make this run. And I, you know, 
based on my intel and based on my instincts and all those things, you know, your ability to think outside the box and just say, you know what, we're going to make a long run. We're going to go for it. I, I thought that was, that was really, um, really huge. But, and, and I believe it's because, you know, in, in doing the podcasts and the fishing conversations and all the stuff I get to do, it always seems to me that the guys that pay attention to the details seem to have the best luck. And they pick up the, the, yeah, silliest, I, the silliest little details, you know, and put the pieces in the puzzle. You know, you scratching your head for hours and hours. Where's the school? Where's the school? Where's the school? And then, blink, light goes on, and you're like, you know what? We're making a run. I mean, to me, I think that's that's what it is. It's the never-ending brain machine, you know, while you're up in the tower looking and looking and looking and looking, your brain's constantly turning and I could see it in you and I could see myself doing it. Cause I do it here. You know, you have two, three, four yeah. hours on the water yeah. where you are just absolutely sucking it up and you, your clients are looking at you like, you know, Hey, can you find us some fish? And your brain <laughs> just never really stops yeah. working. Your brain's just constantly going like, okay, what, what, what's the piece of this puzzle that I'm missing? And, and the ability to be able to, pick those things and put them into the puzzle, I think is the difference between the really, really successful guides that get to do it for a long time. And those guys that are just taking people for boat rides. Right. But isn't it great though, that trying to solve that equation, oh, you know, for sure. because when we went one way, I mean, we saw schools, but these schools were 10 to 12 fish. And at that point, I loved your theory that you told me is that those fish aren't as aggressive because they're not in much competition. So sure. the decision going the other way was just based off of, I went back, I, I asked some buddies, I talked to, you know, because in any industry that you decide to get to, you have to have friends that, and you have to work together. Nobody does it by themselves. Network, right. Network. Um, absolutely. And then I went back and just looked at my pictures from last year, um, where I caught the fish and it just made sense to like try to go hit the home run. That's where they should be, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, just trusting yourself, like take notes, however you, you know, it doesn't have to be on a, a notepad, just mental notes. Uh, my pictures you know, nowadays, like when you take a photo, it's timestamped. So you can go back to it and use that time and date to look at the tie, look at the weather that last year, you know, like use all those little tools. Like it, it works. Yeah. I'm a big believer in a fish log. I've even got a bait log. I even keep track of where I catch the bait every day. Um, just because, you know, you just don't know when, when Mother Nature throws you that curveball and you, you know, I mean. He's good at it. Yeah. You got you to just be able to go home one night after you got your butt kicked on the water and be able to flip through pages and go, you know what? Everything's right. They should be here. And I haven't looked at that in a while. I'm going to go there tomorrow. And I can't tell you how many times that those – you know, the fish logs have saved me where I was like, Whew, I'm going to look like a genius today. And all I did was go home, <laughs> you know, all I did was go home and flip some pages on the old notepad just to kind of, you know, jog my memory. We spent so much time on the water. I think it's hard. You just can't possibly remember every zig and zag that you've made. You know, for me, you know, five months from now, it'll be 20 years that I've been guiding. There's no way for me to remember, you know, every little pothole and every little, you know, especially at what time of the year, everything went off and all that and everything changes wind directions and, you know, water temperature and all those things are, are so, you know, seasonal so many times, you know, right now down here in Tampa, we've got water temp that's just way too high for, you know, the middle of February. It's just 
ridiculously high. So, you know, that's got everything boogered up. Um, and those are the things right. that, you know, right. because we've had that in years past, you can go to that fish log and look at it and kind of roll, you know, that direction. Wow. So, so what's your big season? What's coming um, up here? It's, it's February. What's, what's getting Captain Lionel James excited here moving towards the next month or two? Well, um, the ship Chandler, um, they're getting ready to do a seashed shootout. I think it's on the 25th. Uh, we have uh, uh, this ridiculous amount of sheephead that come in and hang out on our bridges and our passage to, uh, that are coming here to breed. So that's something that my dad really enjoys doing. So I can't wait to do that with him. Nice. Um, as we get past March and um, get into April, May, you'll start seeing these, uh, these cobia migrate through. And then as we get into May, you'll start, you know, the tarpon will start popping up. And the big time for those guys here is June and July, which that is like, it would be red fishing and tarpon for me if I could spend the rest of my life just chasing two fish. I couldn't pick one. Um, and, you know. You don't have a favorite? You, know, you don't have a favorite? It's red fishing. I mean, I love, red, I, love, I, love, I love red fish. Like, if I have a favorite, uh, it's the red fish because that's what I grew up doing. And you can always get out anywhere in Florida and chase a redfish, you know, right. our tarpon here are only here, you know, seasonally. So, right. uh, what about you? Do you have a favorite? I, I can, I think I can guess it, but I'll ask it. Well, I mean, what would you guess? The redfish. The yeah. Red the redfish, are, redfish are definitely <laughs> yeah. my favorite, but I will tell you that for me, and I've been saying this for the last maybe five or six, seven years, permit are really climbing my list i absolutely love oh man i'll tell you what a a really when you pull up on a piece all by yourself it's kind of slicked out and you you got tailing permit i mean they're finning they're not really tailing because you know redfish got the nose down the grass and that puts her tail up and and these they just get their fins up above and it looks absolutely i mean the couple of times I've been out there and I've seen them actually finning um, and you can actually sight fish them, it's epic. Right. I mean, absolutely right. unbelievable. And because they're, you know, built like a jack and they got that big old, you know, wide trash can lid body. And when they turn sideways in the water, if you get into a 10, 15, 20 pound permit, which isn't a big permit, I mean, you know, there's thirties, forties and fifties caught every year. Um, but a 15, 20 pound permit will put, it'll put a good fight, a good bend in your rod. They're a really, they really climbing the list. The redfish for me, cause my whole thing kind of started because of the redfish. I mean, the redfish tournament trails right. is the, is the reason that I ended up, you know, deciding to guide some and become a captain and all that stuff kind of rolled from the redfish tournament trail. So, you know, the, I owe the redfish my whole career really. Um, and I love, I love catching redfish. They're just so much fun. They just, they dig and they fight. Yeah. They have such heart. Those big, beautiful fish we caught up there on the beach with you. Um, absolutely incredible. Yeah. It was just incredible. So I think I, we caught one that had a couple of mores on it, which that was like only the second or third time I've seen that. That's how big those yeah. fish were. That was pretty insane. <laughs> we had some really big <laughs> right? fish. Yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be yeah. a, uh, it's gonna be a great episode. Looking forward to 
That episode dropping here in season 14 of Real Animals. Captain Lionel James, absolutely a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us on the podcast. We appreciate you. You uh, you know, like I said in the uh, open there, one of my, my new favorite people in the fishing business. Just keep your energy high, my man. Keep that big smile smiling. I love everything you're doing and uh, appreciate you being part of the Real Animals family. Absolutely, absolutely. Mike, you know, whatever you need from me, let me know. I'm always here, and uh, we'll try to get you back up here in the summertime. All right. Talk me into it. (laughs) Talk me into it, my friend. Be good, and uh, we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. What a blast. Captain Lionel James, just a great young charter captain up there in the Destin area. You got to check this kid out. If you haven't been up there in the Destin area and done some fishing, I highly recommend you check it out. You know, the Real Animals podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. We try to drop New episodes each and every Tuesday. And remember that the Real Animals podcasts are presented by Contender Boats. Hey gang, Jerry P. Tuck here, co-host of A Place for My Head. Each week, Brandon Thompson and I are going to be talking about the importance of mental health. We're going to be talking everything from stress, anxiety, different mental illnesses, different chronic illnesses, and frankly, the rigors of everyday life and how we all struggle to get through it. We're not medical professionals, but we are looking to start that conversation that needs to be had about the stigma around mental illness and how it affects us every single day. We'll talk to experts, but at the end of the day, A Place for My Head is all about real people with real stories about real life. Check out A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and myself, Jerry P. Tuck, each week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.